Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. You'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome, and thanks for being here. Quick update before we start on the uh, Trinity Rodman uh, super short print card I was, or I am pursuing on eBay. Uh, the seller has not responded. Uh, usually after a few days, if I don't hear anything, I probably won't. But fingers crossed, and uh, I will keep you updated in future episodes if uh, if I do hear back from that seller. So today's episode, uh, a great guest back for a second time. Uh, super excited to have my man Nick on IG at the underscore slab underscore exchange on the show today. Uh, Nick, how's it going? Doing well. Good to see you again, Ken. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, I just saw you a few weeks ago, right down at uh, in Bleecker, the Bleecker Trading Show. I, I've seen you more in the last three weeks than I have the whole year. <laughs> well, that's what happened. You know, we're getting excited. It's that time of year, right? Everybody's coming out, coming out from the woodwork, getting ready to go. Uh, yeah, national, right? It's on. It's on everybody's. The tip of everybody's tongue, right? You, yeah. you can't go anywhere or talk to anybody about it. You, you um, can't measure this excitement. No, no, not at all. So tell me, let's just jump right into it. How, how do you prepare? How do you get ready for this? I know I know what I've been doing for the last six months to prepare for this. And actually, before you even ask, answer that, because I don't, I don't know the answer to this question. How many nationals have you set up at? I've set up at three in totality. Uh, I've been, I've been to... Probably six, possibly seven, if I the one in New Jersey a while back. Um, so right around there. I, I'm I'm not a well vested uh, national veteran, but I I am pretty. Uh, I, I'd probably be uh, I'd say I call myself a novice <laughs> in a sense, not amateur but a novice. So yeah. I, I I do my fair share over there. I got acclimated very quickly. So your preparation to get ready, I know last year was my first one setting up, right? So I went there, I set up, I'd never set up before. I, I've learned so many things in a short amount of time and I come home and I have a whole year to prepare. But these last six months, I've really, you know, put, put you know, a plan into action, preparing to go. And no matter how much I think I've done right, I'm sure I'm going to get there and realize I should have done different things. So you going into your third time, how do you prepare and, and what do you think? Uh, for myself, it's, it's just really uh, status quo. You, you do the same thing you do at every other show. It's just sometimes you get a little more excited because it's on a bigger scale. Uh, you, you do like before any even local card show, you, what do you do the night before? You make sure you have your inventory. It's organized. Your numbers are correct. Your your pricing's updated, right? And being that it's a national and it is amplified, uh, you might have to do that for many more cards. So it takes a little more time. But uh, as long as you kind of stay in your pocket and do the same things you always do, you're, you're not going to get overwhelmed per se. You know, the national itself is very overwhelming, but your inventory doesn't have to be. 
And and I would think because I know, I, I you know many times on season one, setting up next to you at the last show, I would talk about wanting to emulate you. You know, showing up with one case, the backpack with cards, putting out like. 20 25 cards and that was it that was that was your whole setup where here i was running around kate you know putting all this stuff i'm doing all this work and i kept looking over and saying i'm doing something wrong i mean look at this guy but but i mean the cards that's in you are you know the cards you have in your case i mean they're, they're special cards they're higher end um and i would have to imagine a show like the national is where you're going to shine i mean where these cards are really people these are the cards people are looking for right the the these higher end cards uh partially uh look is is the national like i said it, it's it's the super bowl of our industry right so there's no wrong way to do it. it is there a lot of money flying around in big chunks at the national yeah sure but again whether you're doing uh mid-range cards in high volume or you're doing super high end cards at, at low quantities it all works the same. It, you, you could succeed in any uh, form or facet. There's no one way to do it. And that's the best part of this hobby is there's so many different ways to collect, to, to be able to sell, make money, whatever your forte is, you know, there's, there's many ways to do it just like in other genres. There's, there's in real estate, there's not only one way to make money, there's multiple avenues to do so. And then cards, uh, same, same rule applies. Yeah. And you know, I would have to think, the bigger shows like the Dallas, the Burbank, the national, those are, those are much better shows for a certain type of dealer versus mm -hmm. the smaller, more local shows. Um, because I don't think, and I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think at a local show, somebody's going to walk in and buy say an eight, 10 or $15,000 card. They, they might, they might, but I think at a bigger show like a Dallas or a Burbank or the National, like people are coming cash heavy yeah. to look for these these bigger cards. So, uh, so someone like me who who I've set up my at the beginning, I said planning for the National this year, I wanted to have these RPAs in the three to five thousand dollar range. I mean that that was my focus. And then then a month or so into it, doing all these shows, I realized that that the shows that I was doing, people weren't, weren't really looking for those type of cards. People were really looking for those three to seven or $800 cards. That was the sweet spot. So if I wanted to be successful in the shows, you know, the majority of the shows I was doing, I needed to be in there, in that area. So I decided looking forward to the national, this was what my inventory was going to be. Right. Um, so for someone like you and, and, I mean, go ahead, just kind of explain your thought pattern versus a local show going to, you know, the, the, these larger shows. Because well, I know you do you do the bigger shows as well. Yeah, everything you said was correct. Um, for instance, uh, a lot of inventory has to be show specific, you know, like for the smaller shows, am I going to bring a $100,000 card? No, you know, unless you just want to uh, be able to attract foot traffic to your table. You could do it as well and look for the for the bigger shows like the national burbank let's be honest as a vendor you, you have a lot of competition so you want your best stuff there to whether you're you're trying to move that card or not at least attract attention and word of mouth goes around the national pretty fast you want to be able to attract attention or foot traffic to your table to whether you sell that card or not at least they'll maybe they might come by your table take a look at it and see something else they like you know it's just a almost a form of marketing per se yeah. Yeah. um so 
that that's why you always want your your best, biggest and best stuff for the bigger shows such as the national burbank etc in dallas but uh the small again the smaller shows it's kind of a a blank canvas you you do as you please with it there you, you could mix and match different genres you, you could be very specific to one uh, uh sport you can uh bring bring a bunch of little cards and sell in volume or you could bring some mid-range cards or something that you could consolidate and and sell just maybe one or two cards and make your whole show. Hmm. You know, I, I, I try and I always talked about trying to emulate you and I really tried to do that. But at the end of the day, I kept rebounding back to having like singles boxes and things like that, because if nothing else, it attracted people to the table and it yeah. created conversation and, you know, things like that. So, and, and that's, you know, we all know when you go to go to a show, I mean, if, if the shows are busy, you don't have time to stop and do anything. But if they're a little slower, you really want to be talking to people. So you really like to have these people, you know, coming to your tables as much as you can. And I think that's, you know, the same as, as, as you know, at the National. I mean, one of the things I saw last year it was so busy. I, I don't think, ha you know, I, I'm going to say half, but there's a large percentage of people that never even saw what I had in my case because they couldn't get up to the table just to see what was in the case. Right, right. right? So, so you're right. So if people say, hey, Nick at booth whatever has these unbelievable cards people are going to push their way through right make sure they get in and of course and, and see those cards and, yeah. and for a show like the national and all the big ones included uh it, it's all hands on deck those let's be honest as vendors we have quite quite a big amount of expenses you know whether it's we're flying out there paying for the vendor fee and everything in between you know it adds up so you, you definitely want to maximize the opportunity and by maximizing not only bring your best stuff in regards to your inventory, but also uh, be able to market yourself, right? You have to utilize social media to your advantage. Let people know where you are, you know, like uh, shout out to the, the top of the hill and uh, let people know that you're there. Cause if people don't know you're there, then what are you paying all that money for as a vendor? You know, you're just basically yeah. going there to, to go look at cards, just like everybody else is, which is, which is fine in itself too. You know, like me and you are collectors at heart too. Yeah. Can you make a, uh, a pretty penny doing this the right way if you buy things at certain margins and be able to turn it over um yeah sure <laughs> but uh we love every aspect of it and that's why we're here and doing it for so long now now you're almost making me change think rethink my plan a little bit like some of these higher end cars that i would never part with that i maybe i should bring them and put them in the case anyways you, you just know? never know you, yeah. you really never know if 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 you love it that much you won't bring it but again you still as a collector, you like to showcase your stuff because, you know, like uh, for cards that you never even fathom to part with a lot, a lot of times they're just sitting in the safety, uh, uh, safe security box or your safe at home or, or somewhere, you know, where you only see it. Uh, the national is national as well as maybe Burbank and Dallas is the couple times a year where you're able to kind of showcase what you have that you that you get to enjoy in your personal collection on, on a daily uh, basis. You know, can you. Uh... Can you tell me any one of those cards that you have that you you showcase at, at these bigger shows? Uh, yes. the In fact, it's a PSA 9, uh, I think it's 2005 SP game used, uh, dual game used patch auto from LeBron Jordan. It's the only vertical one produced. It's numbered out of 50. I think there's two PSA 10s, one PSA 9, and one BGS 9.5. Um, so... I'm in uh, 
a small circle of people who own that card. And that's probably my prized possession currently. Yeah. I will have it showcased at the national. Um, I'm a little wary of parting ways with it, but uh, as much as uh, I hate to say it, everything does have a price, right? So uh, <laughs> you just put it in there and you never know. You see what happens. Uh, the national is truly a test if, if you really want to keep something in your collection for a long period of time, because people will test you. You put that, you put a card in your case, there will be somebody, if it's if it's nice enough and good enough, somebody will come across you with an offer that's going to be very difficult to refuse. Yeah, yeah. And have you had good offers on that card when you, yes, when you, I, when you uh, brought it out? Most recently, uh, I had it in my case. Who was it at the, what was the last show I did? Mm. Oh, believe it or not, <laughs> funny you say, I had it in my showcase at Laz's show. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and somebody offered me forty thousand cash. Wow! So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was that was a tough one. So, to... And and here I'm saying, like, who's going to walk into a local show? And I'm saying right. ten, fifteen thousand. But now you're talking forty k, right? So yeah, yeah I, I'm saying there, there's people yeah. there. You know, well, it's people something... know you're there too, right? Like I know. I, I I'm usually a fixture there at that show. I you know we're usually next to each other. I didn't. I didn't attend that show, but I mean, I know you're there and I know you have high end stuff and I've been next to you at those shows and I know people come just to see what you have in your case. So for me being next to you, man, it works out great because you're my social media, right? You're, you're bringing all the people in and I'm just saying, well, why, why you're standing, you can look at my case too, right? Well, it's funny at that same show, I sold a Patrick, a Patrick Mahomes uh, optic uh, to 99, uh, hollow PSA 10, uh, card. And that, Is that one, the autograph, the autograph card, autograph card on card. The one, the one you had last year, the same one. Yeah. Oh. Wow. It went for a 16. Wow. So wow. It was, uh, again, that's also one I want to hold into the season, you know, especially now he's two Super Bowls in, yeah. uh, sky's the limit for him, but Hey, um, car at the same time, if you really love a card, you'll hold on to it. But as you realize, like certain cards numbered to such, like that one's number 99, I'll come across it again. It's a card that I love, but I'll come across it again. Mm -hmm. um, when you're when you're looking for inventory, going at like a, a lot of people talk about having a honey hole or, or just a place that they can, you know, they you know, a well that they can continue to go to 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 pick up inventory. Um, are you a guy that has a place like that or do you just kind of take it as it comes to you? I truly source from everywhere, you know, and you have to be flexible. If, you, if you're trying to find good deals, you can't just be isolated and, and uh, kind of zeroed in on, on one uh, specific area. You know, like uh, think about it. If you buy everything through auction, whether it's eBay, PWCC or Golden, um, you're, you're basically paying market value for that item. There's not really yeah. much to work with unless it's a super rare card that you want and uh, somebody's willing to just give you more for it. Uh, everything you have to get is pretty much off market, either at card shows or via social media. There's somebody that uh, messages you or you message them because they posted something you might like, you know, and you know, hey, this is what they're, they're selling for. Would you be able, would you be interested in taking cash 80% uh, of comps or 70% of comps? And depending on the car, the rarity, uh, the desirability, people are usually willing to work with you, you know? Yeah, I find it tough, you know, and and I used to say I thought it was because of my age being a little older on social media. But I, I find it tough to, to make deals 
uh, you know, because by the time the card pops up on Instagram or Facebook or someone shares a reel with me or something, if the price is right, the card is gone. And if the price is, you know, at comps or higher, it's usually there and somebody's, you know, trying to maximize, get the most for it. So either yeah. way, it doesn't, it's, it's, I mean, they're not getting the card or that the card's left there. It's, it's overpriced and pro I'm probably not right. going to get, especially if it's a car that I'm going to turn over. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, by listening to, to a lot of, you know, content and, and talking about like high-end flippers and things like that. I mean, these, these guys are always just talking about having these places that they, you know, just people they go to certain people are always there with, you know, and, uh, that's kind of what, that's kind of where I need to, like, I'm trying to ease myself into, and, and I, you know, talk to people like you all the time, just to try to figure out, like pick people's brains, like, you know, I, how do you get on that list? <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that, maybe that's the question. How do you get on a list like that? It's truly about building rapport and, and doing as you say, right? So if a uh, little insider tip, make a build relationship with, with breakers, right? Breakers are a good source to be able to get the, the rare cards that, that uh, from new high end product that comes out, like whether it's prism select or everything in between, you build a relationship with them guess what? And you have a long history of buying things up as soon as they're trying to sell them. Guess who their first phone call will be? It'll be you, you know, or at least uh, you'll be one of the top three, whether it gets passed along or gets passed on by a couple people ahead of you. Uh, things will fall in your lap. And the more breakers you have in uh, your repertoire, the the more inventory will, will, you'll be able to either accept or pass on. Uh, also, uh, don't bypass Facebook groups. You know, I know Facebook's almost like ancient these days, but if uh, you go on there, Facebook groups is definitely what's keeping it afloat, uh, whether it, you're trying to buy stuff like scraps, cards, memorabilia, uh, photos, you know, there, there's a group for everything over there. Uh, definitely utilize that between between uh, building relationships with with breakers, other collectors on, on social media and Facebook groups. You could pretty much source all your inventory from there if, if you like. There's many more ways to source inventory, but those are uh, good three ways to start. Yeah. How long, how long have you been doing this, Nick? How long have you been in the, you know, on the show circuit, setting up at shows? And uh, I got, I got back into it approximately what, like four years ago. Uh, it, it was maybe like just before, maybe like eight to 10 months before the pandemic, mm -hmm. maybe and possibly 12, uh, but it was right around there because I had taken uh, a small break, you know, cause I, I was, I have, I do many different things outside of cards and collectibles. Um, like real estate being a major part, you know, I'm also a police officer by day. <laughs> so, uh, I definitely do a lot of different things I I do luxury watches as well. Um, yeah. So, well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like you're expanding now, right? I know you were in the, uh, type one photos, uh, and you were just talking about the jewelry and things like that. So just Kind of talk a little bit about what you're expanding into. Uh, real real estate's always there. I'll I'll leave that to the side. That that's that's something I was doing well before uh, I got back involved with uh, cards and memorabilia. Uh, in regards to luxury watches, uh, watch has always been a passion of mine since I was younger. I, it always attracted my eye. You know, th did I know or was I well versed on them? Uh, not really till recently. But uh, the one thing I did notice in regards to uh, 
the charts, they were very uh, luxury watches were very, on a very parallel line to cards memorabilia prior to the pandemic where it was organically organically growing. Uh, and then through the pandemic where everything surged and then post pandemic where everything normalized, um, they, they kind of go hand in hand. And I think not only myself, but you're seeing a lot of other collectors from uh, this industry also uh, dabbling with luxury watches. You know, because think about it, it, it's almost in the sense the same thing, but there is a larger market for it. Uh, a lot of people, like if you take the general population uh, and poll who's going to, who's interested in watches and who who's interested in uh, sports card memorabilia, luxury watches would win. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and whether, when whether you know about watches or not, everybody, know, everybody knows what a Rolex is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, and I was going to say, I mean, what kind of is, are the watches like the cards? There's a, there's a price point for everybody or are the watches yeah. just, just high end. It's very similar to cards. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It, it, look, there's not as much variety as there, there are for cards. Cause there's hundreds of thousands of different types of sets and cards that in existence, you know, and watches, there's only, uh, set ones you know there's only so many watches made uh they get discontinued just like other things do like think about rookie cards they only produce that that one year and then they're done you know and you only have those cards to, uh, to work with same thing with watches they get produced for maybe anywhere from three to five years depending on what it is and then they cut it off and their value shoots up and then uh, again it's something they could wear uh that's why i i it just works in in unison like if you if you like cards uh Maybe six out of ten people, seven out of ten people will also like uh, luxury watches hmm. once they see the parallels in it. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because before before the pandemic, before I got into cards, I I purchased a lot of watches. <laughs> you know, not not nothing high end, no Rolexes or things like that. But it was just something that I enjoyed wearing. You know, just different, really nice watches that I would put on and pair up to, you right. know, just to go out on a Friday or a Saturday night or something like that. Or, you know, if I had a business meeting or things like that. But um, and, and it was really coming from a guy who I didn't wear a watch daily. Right. I only put it on as a piece of jewelry when I was doing something important. Right. Uh, look, it, it's something you can enjoy while, while you're maneuvering, right? It, if I, trust me, if I could wear a sports card outside of the, the necklaces that everybody wears now, uh, and I could wear it in a stylish manner, of course, I, I put it on with a suit. But unfortunately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not an option. So my next best choice is is the luxury watch. Yeah. And and look for me, uh, a lot of time, like for watches, same thing applies that it does with cards. I'm a collector as well as an investor in that in that genre as well. And uh, for me. You'll be surprised if you go look at my my watch collection. A lot of the watches that I I truly like is because I like them, and they're not doesn't mean they're worth a lot, not at all. You know, mm. they could be five six hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have and then there's watches that are like uh, ten fifteen thousand dollars plus. You know, yeah, you like what you like. Yeah, and it's interesting too. I mean, just just turning that back to cards, like a lot of these cards behind me, you see, they're not you know, overly expensive cards, but they're the, what I like, it's the, 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 the player I like, it's what I want. Uh, and it doesn't have to be like a $30,000 card. It doesn't have to be, I mean, uh, some of them could be maybe a 15 or a $20 card. Right. But it's, it's the player that I want. And, it, and I think that's, that's kind of in my mind, how I was with, with watches and with how I am with, 
most things in my life. If it's what I like and it's what I want, then I, you know, I get it. And, you know, and, and, and in the card hobby, it took me a while to understand that it's okay, right? It's okay just to, you know, collect what you want and, and you didn't have to worry about, you know, the price and being a dealer, sell what you want because, you you know, we're at whatever you're comfortable in selling. You know, when I came back in, I, you know, I felt that um, it was always keeping up with the Joneses, right? The more, the more I had, the more respect I got, like that type of thing. And I realized, you know, I was kind of wrong with a lot of that. Uh, and I think a lot of people do that with anything when they, when they first get in or, you know, like the, a hobby or, or with anything, but you know, you, everyone seems to settle in at some point to, to what's comfortable for them. Right. And it really boils down to you buy what you like. And I think we touched on it before we got on together where myself, I just won't purchase anything that I'm not okay with holding on for a long period of time that I would enjoy, you know, whether I buy it for my PC or I buy it to, with the intention to turn it over in the event that I don't turn it over and I'm, and I'm holding it. I would still want to be able to enjoy it. <laughs> and then yeah. when the time comes, I could, I could choose to do what I want with it. But uh, again, I just don't do something or buy something that I won't truly be passionate or enjoy myself. You know, I, I refuse, you know, I, I, cause I would be very upset if I had something there that I'd put in my showcase that uh, I normally wouldn't purchase. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just talked about that on my last episode, just, just, you know, cards that I picked up you know, like basketball cards, which I really don't follow basketball, surprisingly enough, um, th that I had, you know, I was putting basketball cards in my case that, you know, I really didn't know the player. Uh, I knew by buying the card, the comp was good and I was buying the card under comp and I wanted to sell it at comp, but I had no idea if I'm not wa watching the sport, right? If that basketball player is doing well, if they're doing terrible, if they got injured, like I, I really don't know what's going on with them. And, and that price could fluctuate where other people were something in football where I watch football. So that's, that's, that's my lane. That's where I need to be because I know what's going on with every single quarterback, every single running back, you know, every wide receiver, that type of thing. So I know like this guy's doing well, I could get ask more for this guy and this guy's doing terrible. I just need to get rid of him type of thing. Yeah. And you said the magic word football uh, around national season. It's three words, football, football, football. That's the <laughs> primary focus of the show. And that's why you see in the months of coming to the national, everybody's just running around the local shows, eBay, wherever they could source cards and just find as much football as possible. Uh, that, I, that's I, don't, where I don't see the comps going up as much, though. I mean, everybody's buying as much as possible and everybody claims to be buying under comps, which means the right. The comps are never really going to go up if everyone's buying it under comps. How, but, are the, how are the comps supposed to go up if nobody ever buys it over comps? Well, well, well think about remember in this hobby, it's very seasonal, right? So it, it's almost in a sense simple because if you buy the same time every year and sell the same time every year, it, nine times out of 10, you, you're going to walk out in the green. Like, think about it. The comps and, and card prices for football don't typically go up until antici anticipation builds everywhere else. You know, like the national is a, a collector's event, right? And people that are in a hobby uh, migrate towards it. But the general fan that might go on eBay to, to purchase a card casually or for something that they want to buy for themselves. But what gets them excited to go buy the card? They, they start smelling the, the grass, right? They start watching uh, ESPN and there's more football coverage, you know, it's getting people excited. So mm -hmm. what do people do? They'll either go buy 
some uh, for myself. I'll go buy going for Fanatics website and buy some uh, new Dolph, Miami Dolphins uh, merchandise to wear for the games or well, on Football Sunday. You know, uh, people will go buy cards. They'll they'll buy something that's affiliated with their team or, or one of the athletes that they like because they want to invest in that player going into the season, uh, feeling that they might do well. You know, like you buy in just an example, you'll buy Lamar Jackson because you feel with all the tools they acquired and the new offensive system that he's going to flourish this year. You know, it's in a sense a gamble. It's a chance and it's uh, a way to to invest into the season for yourself as a fan. I I I don't want to, I, you know, I'm going to say I don't, I don't, I agree, but I don't agree. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I, I mean, I, this is my third trip around here, uh, you know, at this time of year. Uh, since jumping back in and, and I've learned, you know, the first two trips around that, you know, as soon as soon as, uh, you know, football starts, as soon as the kickoff for opening day or football. Right. I, I just watched those prices decline in football. You oh, know? once the season starts, then you're yeah, a little, yeah. little late. Like after yeah, week and- two of the NFL season, everything starts kind of start yeah. Yeah. Uh, gradually going down. But yeah. like the the four weeks prior to kickoff and the two weeks after that's kind of the green zone. That's when, if you're trying to move some cards, that's the time you do it. Yeah. And, and any of the football that I have that I purchased to move, if it doesn't go out in Chicago, uh, I'm doing the East coast national, you know, in August coming back and doing that. And that's kind of the last, if it doesn't sell then to me, then, then I, I, I'd probably be losing some money on it. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a handful of cards, like the Mahomes cards and stuff that I purchased that. And, and kind of what we were talking about too, is I don't, if I don't sell them, I, I'm not upset because it's my guy, right? And I don't mind having them here. And I have a high-end Joe Burrow. It's the same thing, right? Right. Uh, if, if it doesn't sell, I don't mind holding on to it because there's just a couple proven quarterbacks. I know they're going nowhere. And I enjoy having the cards, right? So yeah. what do you think of uh, World Cup coming up? What do you think? Do you think the uh, women's soccer market is going to, you know, be a little boom this year? Do you uh, think? Sure. J- just just like even uh, even for the men's World Cup, there, there was a, a boost. It wasn't as big as everybody expected, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm sure you know, like people will get invested into it. You know, uh, our women's uh, soccer team is, is very, very well respected uh, worldwide. You know, yep. they definitely have a good uh, legacy and good uh, dynasty going on over there. But uh yeah i think as people watch they'll get excited if, if somebody really stands out in the world cup like nowadays the first thing people do is they run to <laughs> ebay and try to buy up as many as many as their high-end cards as there there is available look at uh the wimbledon alcaraz you know the yeah. alcaraz train uh started started chugging along uh last at the end of the last summer for when yeah. he won the us open yep. now he just acquired his second major and yeah. he earned it in dominant fashion. You know, he really earned it. It, it wasn't given to him by any means. Yeah. And I uh, really. What, what a really... great game to watch, right? Oh I've never watched tennis. I've never followed tennis. And and I and, and I'm saying that I'm saying this because ne- I watched the, the series on Netflix. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, I can't think of the name of it offhand, but I watched the whole thing. I really enjoyed it. And then and now all of a sudden I'm, I, I watched tennis. I watched that match, the women's and the men's this week. And they were phenomenal, right? The men's was yeah. phenomenal. The women, the women's, you know, was, you know, straight sets, but the, the, the men's, it was, it was phenomenal. And I'm like, uh, here I am. I, I think I'm a tennis guy now. Right. Cause it, right. it was just so exciting to watch. Well, Netflix is very inf- influential, influential in that because, Look what it did for F1, and look now what it's doing for tennis. It, it's yeah. 
doing the same thing. And uh, the, the more <laughs> they kind of dabble their toe in, in those waters. And, and now they have uh, the quarterback uh, show on Netflix, too. Uh, that yep. court, includes Kirk Cousins and uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're, they just really have a, a pulse on what's going on and, and really bring to light and to uh, the forefront uh, to have people pay attention. You know, once they produce a show and they get you invested in the player and the character and uh, their personality, you're more likely more likely to kind of pay attention to them in the real world outside of the TV show when they're actually playing live because then you became a fan of theirs through uh, what happened in their personal life and what happened on the show. Yeah. So it's, it, it's great. You know, it's great because now it's bringing the alternative sports to the forefront, you know. Yeah. In the know, States, F1 was not really prominent until recently. Yeah. I know a lot of people talking about the uh, quarterback uh, one that, you know, Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota who are on it, right? Like nobody had any idea like what these guys were like or any, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, we obviously, we see more in the media, more talking, but then we get to meet his wife and, you know, his family and things like that. But yeah, you're right. It makes it more personal. Like you feel like, you know, these people now where before you, you know, you didn't. And same with the, with the tennis. Like I felt like each person, when they did one episode on each person, mm -hmm. I felt like they did such an awesome job, like getting me to like them. Right. right. They, you know, they, they're just telling uh, telling me who they are and giving me their backstory and things. But I'm like, wow, I really like this person. Right. So I'm excited to watch them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So circling back to Accra, it was just funny because it, it, it's like clockwork. Anytime somebody's about to accomplish something great, you go to eBay before it happens and you see these cards there. And then when you go back after it happens, you either see the prices get, shoot right up in regards to the list and price. Or you see everybody, all those cards sold because somebody just snatched them all up, uh, knowing that they were gonna they're, they were gonna increase in value. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's just so, funny how, always, how fast it happens. Yeah, somebody's always way ahead, and even if it's by accident. Yeah. Right. Even like I here here I was a guy who uh, after the uh, uh, the win the NWSL draft, you know, Alyssa Thompson, she gets. She gets drafted number one. Sports Illustrated for Kids has got her first card in it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I need a bunch of these. I go out and buy five of them, you know, and I wrap them up and I put them away just to hold on to them. Well, wouldn't you know who else is in that episode? Wimbiana. Victor Wembiana, right? Next thing you know, these things are worth $300 each. I'm like, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> <laughs> you could always keep one for yourself, too. It never hurts. <laughs> Uh, but it just, it, and even by, and like I'm saying, even some people, it's just by accident. Like for me, it was literally by accident, but you know, a lot of people know what they're doing out there, but other people, it, you know, they just get lucky sometimes. Yeah. All right. We, how, uh, good. I was going to say, how do you, now that we brought his name up, how do you feel about him? I know you're more of a basketball guy. How do you think about Victor Wembiana? Uh, in regards to body type, he reminds me of, uh, Giannis when he first came into the league, you know, mm. di different style of play. Uh, yeah. don't, I don't want to get misquoted there, but uh, definitely very talented and uh, he, he's going to do well. I just think uh, he, he just needs to get integrated and get adjusted to the speed of the NBA playing in Europe and uh, playing everywhere else. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's competitive, but uh, nothing's like the athlete, the world's greatest play in the NBA, you know? So, People are going to target him. They're going to try to give him a rough time. He's going to have to stick through it. Uh, Kevin Durant has been very thin and lanky his whole career. I don't. I think Wembenyana will grow 
somewhat into his body. Being that tall, it's it's hard to do so, you know. But I think he could uh, he could uh, salvage to put some meat on those bones and, and take uh, the brutal beat down down the key in the NBA. You know, obviously he's more of a perimeter player and he's very versatile, go in out whichever way. But uh, it, it's very intriguing and, it, and it's a bold statement when you hear analysts say if him and LeBron James were in the NBA draft together, LeBron would go number two and he would go number one. So again, uh, v- very bold statement. And I don't know, time will tell, you know, so I, do you think the card, the card values, like just flip into the cards. Do you think that what his, these first autos are selling for is legitimate? Do you, do you think they're overpriced right now? Do you think people, people are, are, you know, destined to lose some money on those? Uh, so, in the midterm, yes, but it, uh, in the initial uh, acquisition, you can make money if you turn it over quick. Uh, if you hold on to it right, like right now in the, the median or the, the middle uh, time frame, uh, if you sell, you could possibly sell at a loss. And then obviously, long term is always going to be pretty much as long as he play, has a healthy career, uh, those things will organically go up in value. Um, but uh, when I talk about the midterm, Wait till his other cards come out. Once his other cards come out, people forget about those cards in in the short term, right? Yeah. They'll go yeah, back to like, him eventually. It's a lot like football, right? As soon as the National Treasures comes out, right? Everybody forgets right. about it. After each set, it devalues the set prior to it, right? And, and yeah. obviously, the, the core sets will always uh, hold significant value. Like a prism gold is a prism gold. But um, yeah, it's just everybody gets excited for initial cards. They try to buy it up. Uh, the manufacturer also knows that so in a sense they overproduce uh, a ton of them you know and then as the the more premier sets come out people kind of push those to the wayside the decline in value while the newer sets are more desirable and they're uh, the hot commodity and, and go up quite a bit how, how do you feel about prospecting do you ever prospect players uh i can't say i do you know for because for me uh I have a limit with with prospecting. If I buy somebody that's unproven, if you go to a certain price point, like for instance, my threshold is what can I get a Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or LeBron James autograph card for? You figure anywhere from like four to six thousand, depending on what the card is. You know, you get some Kobe autos for like four thousand, sometimes a little less. I won't pay more for a prospect than that. Because mm-hmm. after that, I'm like, I could I could purchase a, a Hall of Fame uh, autograph card or a patch out or whatever the case is, you know, yeah. uh, whether it's from a low end set or anything above that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I just can't put myself to do it. You know, yeah. I, I can't put myself to buy, especially baseball prospects. But those are the most evil. Um, I can't put myself to spend six to ten thousand dollars on a baseball prospect that hasn't shown me anything that hasn't mm-hmm. even made it to the majors yet. Forget yeah. about showing me anything, you know? Yeah. And you're talking about just buying a card. So have you, do you go out and buy anything and put it away and say, okay, I've bought these cards. I'm going to put them away. And hopefully two years, three years from now, they're going to, they're going to mature. And and the, if the player pops, they're going to be worth money. Or you're just like, heck no, I'm just going to buy what's going in my case. And I, I, I don't have, I have other things in my closet than cards. <laughs> um. I, I, I'm trying to think of a time where I hoarded something and put it away, hoping that they they turned out well. I, I nothing's come to mind. Uh, I'm sure I've done it, but uh, nothing's really sticking out. 
I used to do that a lot when I was younger. Uh, n- now it's just like for me, where, where, wherever I park my money, I want to make sure it's safe and secure, right? So <laughs> what better way to park it where there's vested interest in the Hall of Famers, the legends of the game, and, yeah. and knowing that, hey, I, th- these things, these items will always be worth something. Like, for instance, for, for myself, I love jerseys. I love autographed jerseys, especially UDA jerseys, uh, Fanatic jerseys and such, like officially licensed autographed jerseys. Uh, those I, I thoroughly enjoy, and they're great showpieces for the office. So those I, those I put away, and I'm happy with. But so by, no means, by, no, by no means are those prospects, though. <laughs> yeah, you have a collection of those as well? Uh, yeah, small collection. I, I have... Uh, I'm an Oma Dolphin, but I, I did recently acquire at Lazar Show a, a Fanatics Tom Brady uh, white jersey, which is one of the harder ones to find. Uh, right. I have a Lionel Messi jersey that's signed. Uh, I have Mariano Rivera, uh, Dan Marino. That's just it's nothing of value, but it's something. Uh, he's one Personal. of my favorite you're players. A, you're a Dolphin fan. Yeah. I heard my Dolphin fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just it's stuff again, stuff that I enjoy. The, the jerseys I won't sell, but uh, I have a Michael Jordan autographed uh, UDA jersey too. That's going oh. up in the wall. I'm getting that framed probably at the national. But uh, yeah, they have framing services out there for that stuff. Uh, there's a couple companies that that go there and they'll intake uh, jerseys and fly back to their destination and then ship it out to you. So it at least saves you. Um, the heart attack of possibly losing a, a beautiful jersey in the mail, you know. Uh, <laughs> as we know, uh, in, not even the mail is safe sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I find though, if you pay off for all the extra insurance, nothing ever happens to it. It's the ones that, you don't pay. True. You know, the ones you don't pay insurance on, they they disappear before they never leave the post office down the street, right? But but if point. you put the thirty five or forty dollars on the insurance on it, that thing makes it. No matter where it's going, yeah. They made their money. <laughs> they don't need to steal from you. They already made their money. <laughs> uh, so we're getting out. You know, we're going going to be at National. Uh, what are you looking forward to? You were at the last one in Chicago, right? Yes. And and going back, what are you look, looking forward to? I mean, and, and it could be outside the show, too, like the food, the, anything local. I mean, is there anything you're looking forward to doing? why you're out there that either you didn't get a chance to do when you were there at the last national or um, you did and you want to make it better this time. Uh, last time I went there, I actually got to go. I love going to stadiums. Uh, I love visiting new stadiums that I haven't been to. Uh, I was able to go to Wrigley field last time. I probably go there again. It, it's just, it, it's a good uh, feeling. It's great old uh, piece of history in regards to the stadium, you know, and catch, catch a good game. Outside of that, in regards to the show, uh, especially on the bigger shows, it's great to catch up with everybody that you build relationships with over the years. You know, uh, you, you a lot of times you're sc- scrolling through social media and you try to keep in touch and keep tabs with everybody through that. But sometimes it's difficult, especially in, in high volume. Uh, the big shows like National Burbank, Dallas is uh, very few times where you get to see every person, go grab a tea, go grab a drink, you know, mm-hmm. get to get to talk about the, the hobby, your passions and uh and success in, in the show, you know, uh, talk about the show in general, see if it's going good for them, bad for them, uh, bounce ideas off each other. It's, it's fun. You know, it's just, it's not, a, it's not only networking an event, but for the people that you network with, it's good to always catch up. Yeah. I know, I know last year, uh, in Atlantic city going there, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I want to do all this. I want to talk to this person. I'm going to grab a drink with it. Do it. And you get out there and like, 
Awesome. Here's a, you should have made these plans before you got here, right? You really yeah. should have made real plans. So this year going out there, I just, I made a lot more plans. I made a lot yeah. more like meetups to, you know, where, where it's not just up in the air, like, okay, I'm going to see you on Thursday or I'll see you on Friday. Or we're going to, you know, just to be like really more specific out there uh, for people who are not dealers, obviously, yeah. you know, because, because it just it gets so crazy out there, no matter what you're doing at the show, after show, at trade night and things like that yeah but and, but now you're talking like a true veteran right like yeah. people what people don't realize for people that haven't been to the nationals yeah. very very overwhelming experience i remember my first national i'm sure you remember yours it's just chaos <laughs> it, yeah. i can't even say control chaos because it's controlled to an extent but there's stuff going on everywhere and you can't be yeah. as much as you'd like to you can't split yourself up into multiple people to attend everything all at once so you really have to be good at budgeting your time doing mm -hmm. the things you want to do Kind of planning out ahead of time to do so you know and then after the show first of all during the show it's very hard as a vendor to leave your table because anytime you leave your table it's a missed opportunity i can't tell you how many times i even had to run to the bathroom i want to go meet one of the athletes at the autograph pavilion and i get like three phone calls hey somebody's interested in this card gotta get back here they, they have money they, they want to pay your price and you're like sprinting down the thing bumping into people and yeah. and then after yeah. the show people want to grab drinks dinner with you then you also have the like some of the private events from uh, from the corporate sponsors, and then you also have the trade nights. So it's like you're you're running hard from mm -hmm. like eight, uh, like maybe probably seven in the morning from the time you try to go get breakfast all the way to like midnight and then some, and then you have to do the same thing over and over. It's truly a test of endurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my day Sunday rolls around, you don't want to talk about a sports car. <laughs> you just want to get on a plane and go home, right? Yeah. My, my favorite part, believe it or not, is that Wednesday, you know, because the show doesn't start till later in the afternoon, you right. know, to, to set up in the morning and then you have those four or five hours, you know, where you could just, you know, it's just the vendors that are in there, right? That's the only people that are in there and you just get to go find you know, all the different vendors that people you know and, you know, try to meet up and see as many people as you can and walk around, you know. So, I, I, I mean, I enjoy that down. It's like, the, to me, it's like the quiet before the storm. Well, yeah. that's also a time to identify what you might have your eye on to acquire uh, later on in the day or during the show at some point. You know, like the one thing I take advantage of on Wednesdays and even early Thursdays is, is try to cover as much ground while somebody's watching my table to make sure, hey, I like this card. I like this card. I'll, I'll, you'll see me with a notepad walk around, write table numbers down, be like, okay, this table has this card that I like, this card, this card, like this table has this table, uh, this card, so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, it just makes it easier for you later on. Cause I can't like, and I'm sure it happened to you. You find a, a table, you find a set, you kind of try to correlate it to one of the corporate sponsors where it's near. And then by the time you try to find it later, you're like, damn, I know it was in this vicinity, but I can't find exactly where it is. <laughs> but most of the time you're looking for the specific card or the specific item. And what I found is it's always sold right is by the time if if you go back to it it's gone i like last year i remember sitting there and telling people coming up and taking a picture of the car and say what's the best you'll do on this card i said that's it what's your booth number they you know have the phone out they snap a picture and they go off they come back an hour you know but like 10 minutes after they go the next person walks up and maybe on a few occasions when one person walked away the person right next to him said i'll pay that oh that, that, that was me that was the story i told you <laughs> that was I, what that, that happened to me in uh, the last time in Chicago. I found the card that I was uh, at the time. Ky Kyler Murray was very hot commodity, and uh, it was a field level, uh, I think, uh, dragon scale. 
uh, PSA 10. Really wanted the card. I was like, hey, would you take, uh, asked how much he wanted for it. I said, would you take this? He said, uh, yeah. He goes, sure. So cash, whatever. I turn around to pull cash out of my bag and uh, I get approached by one of my buddies, Jay, uh, Mojo Sports, and we start chopping it up really quick. Uh, me thinking the deal's already done. Some guy, as I'm talking to Jay, comes and gives him an extra $200 on top of what I was about to pay him, even though it was agreed upon. And by the time I turn around, the card's gone. And he's like, hey, man, he goes, it was an extra $200. I couldn't say no. I was like, <laughs> like li- literally, like right there, inches behind me. So, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and if it's a card like you're really looking for, and, and you know, this is what I've realized out there that if, if you've got a card that somebody's really looking for and they come up and they're like, oh, I've been looking for this card, like standing firm on the price. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, they center, haven't yeah. seen it anywhere else. You know, the no. price may have just gone up $100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be surprised. And so, and people are not shy either. Like even as the consumer, if they want something, they'll, they'll definitely go out of the way to give you a, a fair, fair offer. Yeah. You know, it's not like a local show where everybody's going to try to undercut you. Yeah. But uh, speaking of shows, uh, keep an eye out. Me and Laz are uh, opening up something good uh, in the near future. I can't, I can't touch on it yet until we put pen to paper. But when it happens, uh, you'll hear about it. So yeah. definitely keep it here. I hope, I hope I'm going to be part of it. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I already have your spot reserved. Yeah, absolutely. I'm and awesome. Rob. I can't forget Rob, Rob either. Yeah. yeah. Sports car therapist. Speak, yep. Speaking of Rob and, and trade night and national, are you going to make our trade night on Friday night? Yes, I'll 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 be there. <laughs> Whether I'm half asleep or not, I'll be there. It's gonna be a long day, but I'll I'll yeah. make my way over there. To say hello. Yeah. yeah, we were set up across from each other last year, and and yes. you had so much going on. There was Nick just kept running back and forth, back oh, and yeah. forth, calisthenics. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, and, and that's what it, I don't get many opportunities to leave the table. But when I do, I'm I'm trying to make the most of it and do as many things as possible. Yeah. What what's your hydrate and 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 eat? People forget to do that when when they're when they're in the zone at the table. Well, that's one thing I did last year, and people were like, "Look, because I can't eat. I am gluten free, right? So I can't eat all the the fried stuff that they usually sell at these places. So, you know, I was bringing my own cooler in every day with you know cold cuts and things like that. You know, people are like, "What do you do with all this food?" And I'm like, uh, I, "I can't eat all that stuff." But I was probably the well nourished, the most nourished <laughs> guy in our booth last year. You know, between my drinks and my my food, and that, you know, that's the way you keep your bars. mind sharp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell everybody booth number they want to come find you. Where, where's your booth number out? Okay, then... I'll, I'll be where I normally am uh, with Rick Probstein. His booth. He, it's one of the bigger ones. You can't miss it. Uh, it's just one big sign that says Probstein, one, two, three. Uh, the table numbers are as follows. It's going to be uh, 1061, 1063, 1160, and 1162. And That's, it's all one square, right? Yeah. So like what, four I, different I guess a rectangle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> square yeah. rectangle, whatever yeah. you like to call it. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely have a variety of uh, very nice uh, items to take a look at, whether you're trying to buy or you're just trying to uh, come take a look at it as a collector. Rick has a plethora of uh, things going on there, including the uh, big display piece of, uh, of which here I could I could talk about it now because he put it on social media. All his Jordan PSA tens will be on display there. Oh wow! And uh, wow. He, I, th- I think now he has about thirty of them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be quite the sight. It's definitely going to bring a lot of people over there. But uh, outside of that, my buddy Eton's also going to be by my side. He's a Type One photo specialist. Um, 
along with me by flanking him with uh, other high-end sports cards. But I'll be buying quite a bit at the National. So if you're interested in selling or liquidating, please, by all means, come by. Um, and we'll I'll pay you a fair market value and uh, see where we go. Typically, I'll buy anywhere from 70-80%. And then, uh, yeah, maybe we'll cash people out. They can reinvest the money as they please or just keep it in their pocket for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I think most people do, right? I mean, people will say I'm going there card heavy or, you know, sell cards to cash out so they can use that money to go, you know, buy buy something else. You know, that that was a lot of what was last year. A lot of people showed up. A lot of people I knew were telling me, you know, I'm showing up card heavy and I'm just going to move as many of these cards. I know what I want to buy, but I have to move these cards to build capital to go buy the cards that I want to buy. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, people keep them, people will liquidate keep the money in your pocket other ones uh like you said are, are trying to to sell or trade to consolidate into the cards they want or just a bigger card overall Every, everyone wants to go their card heavy and travel light back so <laughs> yeah yeah i want to go home cash heavy <laughs> so yeah either either ca cash heavy or yeah. or lighter in, in the card sector but yeah uh nick tell people where they can reach on social at the underscore slab underscore exchange uh you'll just see a nice little bluish uh teal circle with a couple slabs there uh hard to miss um outside of that uh you see me at the bigger shows the national i'll be also at burbank and then uh i make it to the dallas show wherever i can i try to really uh be more selective as to the shows i go i'm usually at a, a staple at the bigger ones but uh uh, in regards to local ones, uh, I'm always a Laz show. I have the shows coming up with Laz right around the corner. Uh, come, coming probably around around the fall. September will probably be our first one, so mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that. Um, outside of that, I'm pretty I'm pretty heavy on Instagram. So, mm -hmm. that's are you doing to... are you doing the trade night Friday night? Uh, Pop Century Collectibles. I will be there. Uh, I won't uh, be set up, but uh, I'll I'll stop in. And uh, mingle, rub elbows with the celebrities such as you and Rob, yeah, and then yeah. uh, uh, catch up with Laz and be on my way. I have to be up uh, the following morning, four thirty in the morning, so I can't stay too long. But I, I will stop in. Good, good. I always support Nick, my guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on, brother. And uh, I look forward to seeing you not only Friday but the week after in Chicago, uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, grab, grab a drink or we got to make, make a plan outside of that trade night, you know, to, yes. to, to hang out for a little bit. That we will. We just have to do a good job at trying not to lose our voices in the process. Cause we're going to be doing <laughs> a lot of talking at the national. Yeah. All right. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like definitely subscribe and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word and until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Take care.